0: Good morning. Morning. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to start by apologizing that I am not blonde and I do not have glasses. Um, just wanted to apologize for that. But And then also, just introduce myself as well. And thank John for that intro. Um, as the Zero Collective resident, I've been able to, for the past year, serve at Frontline mainly. And I'm super excited to be here at the center for the summer and extensively after that. Um, to really sew into Byron Center, and a little background on me is I grew up on the east side of the state, and I ended up actually going to play baseball at Cornerstone University and going there, being radically encountered by the Lord, um, getting saved, meeting the Lord, becoming a Christian, and and then I ended up getting a finance degree in college. Um, and uh, through my senior year of college at Cornerstone, uh, COVID happened and a lot of different things happened, but. In that, the Lord put ministry on my heart, and I started called a call to ministry. But I also uh, heard the Lord say ministry, but I also heard the Lord say degree. So here I am. I have a fi- finance degree, and I am two years out of college walk- working in full-time ministry. And I'm able to bring the word with you guys. And uh, I just wanted to ask you guys a question. If I'm alone here, but if you guys ever gotten a text that has just made you sweat, that has just made you just... Question a lot of things in one text message. Um, I've just seen the power in technology. And uh, last month, I I got a text from a guy that I met once, exchanged numbers, and was like, let's grab lunch. I'm like, absolutely. Didn't happen. Four months later, I get a text from him, and it says, I'm going on a spiritual journey. I'm trying every major religion. Will you represent Christianity for me? And uh, in that, I'm just all through my head, I'm thinking, man, I don't know anything about Buddhism. I don't know anything about Islam. Uh, what is he going to ask me? I, how am I going to represent Jesus? I have a finance degree. I'm like, I'm sitting here reading this text, and I have no idea what to do. And uh, he also just said, let's get lunch in a week. So I'm sitting here waiting. And. I don't know about you guys, but waiting is one of the scariest things for me. I'd rather immediately go do something. If you told me to go grab lunch with him in that moment, I would have been a lot more excited than waiting a week. And that leads us to uh, the start of the scripture I want to go into where the disciples were really waiting uh, in Acts 1. And uh, I'm just going to go straight into Acts 1 in the scripture that's going to set up a lot of what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to, it's Acts 1, 4 through 7. And this is right after Jesus rose from the dead and is talking to the disciples. And he's about to ascend to heaven. And Jesus is saying, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, Yeah, I put myself, at, when I was reading this, and I have to admit that they were sweating a lot more than I was, uh, to see the person that they were following for three years. Uh, his, his Jesus' ministry was three years, and then he, they, they, then he tells them, I'm leaving, and you got to wait. You have to wait. And they listened. Uh Imagine how the disciples were feeling just looking at Jesus ascend. It says in the scripture right after that the disciples were looking out above into the sky, just sitting there. And I have to imagine that their pits were sweating and they were like, what are we going to do? I guess we have to wait. I guess we have to wait. And the waiting, their obedience and waiting set up a lot into the next three chapters of Acts. And, Acts 2 and 3, I'm going to summarize here. The Holy Spirit ends up coming, and the apostles waited for it. And as soon as the Holy Spirit came, Peter, one of the disciples, preached immediately and was talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and then also the gospel of Jesus. And 3,000 got saved. 3,000 were baptized, and the Lord was adding to the number saved each day. And then Acts 3, a local beggar who has been crippled since birth— and that everyone knew in Jerusalem. They saw him walking around um, crippled. He was a beggar his whole life. Everyone knew him and saw him. Peter was talking to him, and then Jesus healed him through Peter. And that sets up to where we're going to be in Acts 4. The council uh, of the Sanhedrin saw that uh, they were healing and talking about Jesus, and they were like, you can't do that. we gotta, we got to take you to court. we got to take you to jail. And we're going to talk about the fact that when we see and hear about what Jesus has done, we can't help but talk about it. We can't help but to evangelize and share. And we're going to go right into Acts 4, 13 through 20. And bear with me, but I'm going to read it all because I believe the scripture speaks when we read it all the way through. And I'm going to break it down. But when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John said, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to God? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Wow. Wow. And I'm going to start right, Acts 4.13, uh, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. I was reading that, and I'm like, man, I have to, I have to think Peter and John might have had a finance degree. Peter and John might have been feeling super inadequate to go behind, to go before the Sanhedrin, to go before the council. And then right after it, it says but they can t- but they could tell that they have been with Jesus and they can they have noted that their boldness is from being with Jesus and spending time with Jesus. And for the same way for us, Jesus has called ordinary people to live bold lives purely because of the power of the Holy Spirit and spending time with Jesus. That when we are constantly in a rhythm of prayer, in listening to his voice, the boldness to the outside just looks like obedience to us. That Peter and John weren't thinking about how bold it was to heal, how bold it was to proclaim Jesus. They were just thinking about, wow, this is what Jesus told me to do, and I love him. I love Jesus. And because of the constant presence, the intimacy, that they were listening to what Jesus was saying instead of man. And when I say time with Jesus, like practically um, in this current day, I mean prayer. I mean time in the Bible. I mean time in creation. And there's a lot of different ways that you can meet with the Lord. But when you're intimate with the Lord, he calls you to be obedient and live a bold life. And it looks bold to the outside that people are going to be like, man, what are you doing? It's like, Jesus asked me to do it, so I'm going to do it. And we're going to go right to Acts 4.14. That, But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. The crippled beggar in Acts 3 that was healed was literally standing right next to them in their court saying, Jesus is good. I love Jesus. He healed me. And the council is looking at Peter and John and this beggar, and they're like, what are we going to do? How are we going to tell them that this isn't real? Because obviously the healing power of the Lord is real. And um, in Acts 3, the, the beggar is healed. And the signs and wonders that Jesus gives us are an arrow to point straight to Jesus. They aren't for the glory of us. They weren't for the glory of Peter or John. But they were for the crippled beggar to say, Jesus healed me. And I'm going to give all the glory to him. And Peter and John saw the healing and was like, this is the healing healing of Jesus. This is no power that I have. And healing is still available today. Um, I have seen physical healings, and that's from the authority of the Holy Spirit. And they make the unbeliever have no other choice but to see the power and love of God in physical form that we serve a God that heals and we carry that authority because the Holy Spirit lives in us and God loves every single person that he wants us to meet him. He wants people to meet him. And sometimes that takes a physical sign that says, wow, I cannot reject the fact that happened, so God must be real. And sometimes that's how he meets people. I've met people that have met the Lord because they have been healed supernaturally. And it's no other person to point to but the glory of God. And even in that, when I was at Cornerstone, my junior year of college, one of my really good friends at the time, um, she, was, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And she was telling of all of our friends, hey, like, I was given two months to live. And we're juniors in college. We're like 20, 21 years old. Like, how do you even respond to that? Um, we had no idea what to say, what to do. I can only imagine how she was feeling as a 21-year-old with cancer. Um, but we were we, she told us this, and something was stirring in um, our friends, and we were like, we need to pray for her. So we got her in a room. We prayed for like two or three hours um, just for healing, for, for the grace of God to come upon her. And And then four days later, there were a lot of people that were also praying with her. And I don't know uh, which, which prayer did what. I don't think we need to uh, debate what prayer did what. But four days later, she was she went to get her CAT scan, and there was no cancer. There was nothing there that, only, that she could only point to God for, that there was a complete healing. And she's still living today. She's a paramedic today, and she is completely healed from cancer, and it's only the glory of God. And in that, she pointed it all to Jesus in front of her doctors. She pointed it all to Jesus in front of her co-workers who are also in the medical field. And she saw people saved because of the miraculous thing done in her, which is incredible. So Jesus gives us these signs and wonders to point to Jesus and not to us. And out of love and obedience that in Byron Center and in Grand Rapids, we b- uh, believe for bold healings in Jesus' name because we carry that authority with the Holy Spirit inside of us. And Peter and John knew that, and they carried that. And in that, they gave them boldness to heal, but also gave them boldness to say no to when people told them to stop. That in Acts 4.18-20... through 20, the council called them in again and said, you can't speak, you can't teach, you can't talk about Jesus. Like, stop it. And Peter and John said, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to God? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. That guys, when we see what the Lord has done, we can't help but talk about it and testify about it. Like, when we see all the miracles, that he is a miracle-working God, like it is on us as disciples of Jesus to share about it. And that there's going to be signs and wonders that people are going to tell you are fake, that people are going to tell you are staged. Um, and we are given the choice to obey God or to obey man. That every single day, the beauty of God is that he never forces in, he never forces you to follow him. He never forces you to be in a relationship with him. That every day we're given the grace, we're given the choice to follow him instead of following man. And I've even found it in my own life that when I wake up in the morning, it's like, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to follow man. I'm not going to follow what the world wants me to do. I'm going to follow you. And I've started praying that and I've actually seen myself do that. So if that's a practical way for you to even, like, cognizantly tell yourself, I'm going to follow God, like, you should do that. I've seen that move mountains, honestly, in my own life. And um, from prayer and intimacy with Jesus, we're able to be persistent and know what God is telling us rather than what man is telling us. And um, honestly, we, ha- we all have personal testimonies. I know Peter was praying, thanking God for a personal testimony in this church of a miracle of healing. Like, we've all seen God show up in different ways in our lives. Um, We've all seen him provide. I've seen him as a provider, as a healer in my whole life. And Jesus wants us to use those personal testimonies for the glory of God to tell other people that it, it can't stay with just with us that when we're healed when we're provided for we have to tell other people that we've seen too much we've heard too much we can't stop talking about the glory of god we can't stop talking about what jesus did for us that he brought us out from anxiety he brought us out from depression he brought us out from an abusive relationship etc he brought us out from all of that and other people need to know about that because other people are drowning in sin Other people are drowning in depression. Other people are drowning in anxiety. And when we're delivered from that, we're able to tell other people about the joy of Jesus that we have found. And it's so exciting, guys. It's so exciting that we can find that. We can find people and tell them about what we've seen in our own lives. And it's out of a love for Jesus. It's not out of, ah, God told me to evangelize again. I'm going to go do it. I'm not going to have much fun. It's, no, like, we love God so much that we cannot stop talking about him. And I don't know about you guys, but you guys might have that friend that can't stop talking about, like, himself, can't stop talking about themselves of, like, oh, like, or maybe, honestly, it might be your kids. Like, you might have a friend that talks about how cool their kids are all the time. And it's, like, a little annoying, but it's, like, "Ah, I admire that. What if we talked about God as much as we talked about how awesome our kids are? What if we talked about God as much as we talked about other things in our lives and we saw people encounter God because of how much we talked about him? And in that, I'm going to go back to the text that I received um, from that guy, and we grabbed lunch. We ended up grabbing lunch at Qdoba, which is ironic because I know John's a huge Chipotle guy, um, so it feels only right as I speak that I talk about Qdoba um, as a brand ambassador, um, but we ended up grabbing lunch at Qdoba, and we were sitting there. We were talking about his spiritual journey. Honestly, I was just trying to get to know him. I didn't know the guy super well. Hearing about where he was at, and he was in a place where he couldn't. He wasn't feeling anything. He said he grew up in the church his whole life, and he's like, there has to be something out there that I can feel, and I want it. And I don't know if it's God. He's like, I don't know if it's Jesus. I think it might be something else, but I felt like I needed to talk to you and uh hear you out. And honestly, I wasn't super helpful. I um I'm just an ordinary person without much schooling. Um, my own words, I wasn't convincing him, and I kind of felt like I was trying to convince and use my own words. And at the end, the Holy Spirit, like we he ate his burrito. I ate my burrito bowl uh, a little healthier. Um, and then I was like, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, you need to pray for this man. Like, you need, you need to feel, have him feel the Holy Spirit because it is tangible. So I was like, hey, man, can we pray? He was like, yeah, sure. So we prayed, and the Holy Spirit moved, tangibly moved in a Qdoba booth, because as the God that we serve, that he can move any place. The Holy Spirit can move anywhere. And he moved in that Kidoba booth. And this guy, he was like, what did I just feel? Like, what did you do? And I was like, I didn't do anything. This is the Holy Spirit moving. This is the Holy Spirit moving in your life. And he's like, okay. Take, he, he sat back for like, what felt like a couple minutes, just sat there. He goes, I want it. I'm I'm like, what? He goes, I want it. I'm like, well, dude, it's yours if you accept it, and you accept the Holy Spirit in your life. And he's like, I'm all in. And I just go again, I go, what? He goes, I'm all in. And in that, he accepted Jesus, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, just like in Acts 1, that we baptize in water, but we also baptize in the Holy Spirit, that this man accepted Jesus, and was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And now he was going to be in heaven with every single one of us. He is going to be rejoicing with the Lord and every single one of us. And it was nothing that I said, I assure you, I was probably bumbling over my words. It was nothing that I said. It was purely the power of the Holy Spirit. And we we all carry that in us. Um, By the grace of God, we carry the Holy Spirit in us in that authority. And because of that, we've been given the opportunity to see souls saved to evangelize, to see people saved from their drowning of sin. And I'm not ignorant to the fact right now that it might be hard to see God moving in your life, that it might be a really dry season for you, for your family, um, and it might have been feeling dry for a super long time, that it's really hard to see God and what he's doing But I assure you that even when we can't see or hear what God has done, he gives us the cross to look to. That God has gifted gifted us the cross of Jesus living, dying, and resurrecting for our sins to look to, but also to talk about. That when we accept Jesus, that when we say that he died for our sins because he did, We also have the opportunity to tell people about it. We have the opportunity to tell people, this is what Jesus did for me, but he also did it for you. Do you want it? So none of us are off the hook. And out of pure gratitude and love for what Jesus did for us, we're able to tell others about it. For in Matthew 5.15, it says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So guys, what if we put our light on a higher stand? What if we put our light on a stand that everyone in Byron Center could see it? That everyone in our workplace could see it? Everyone in our school could see the light of Jesus through us because of our actions, but also because of our words. That Jesus loved us every single one of us enough to die on that cross and out of that love we have the opportunity to share it to tangibly evangelize and talk about it so I'm going to pray right now but I'm gonna leave us with this question and during this last worship song I encourage you to just sit I encourage you to pray and ask the question how will we individually and as a church body share about what Jesus has done for us? How are we going to testify and talk about his love to other people? Because we're still on earth. We aren't in heaven yet, so the work's not done. The harvest is still ripe and the laborers are few. How are we as the center going to be laborers? How are we going to step more into the love that Jesus has set out for us and share that? So Jesus... We give it all to you, Lord. All the glory, all the honor, all the praise, it's yours. It's always been yours, Jesus. And we just pray that as a center community, we give it all to you. We thank you for the miracles that have occurred in this church body. And we acknowledge that you're not done. That you're not done with Byron Center. You're not done with this church that you are a miracle working God and you want to use every single one of us to carry that authority, to carry the power of the Holy Spirit and show people that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, that your signs and wonders are an arrow that points straight to you because you are the ultimate goal. It's not me. It's not anyone else, Jesus. It's all you. It's always been you. So we love you, Father. Mark us as a center community, as someone, as somebody who loves you so much that we can't stop loving others. We can't stop telling others about it. For you created us to love God, but to love others, not one or the other. We can't love others without loving you first. And we can't love God without loving others, Jesus. So. I just pray that we love the Byron Center community and the surrounding communities so well that they see God, they see Jesus, and then they hear our stories of your faithfulness, of how you've provided and what you've done for us. So Lord, we give it all to you in your holy, blessed name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.